It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. Right the COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. My, uh, uh, we got a great show today. I was, I was about to just start right in with our uh, first guest, but uh, coming up during the second hour of our three-hour tour and encore with Tom Hartman talking about oligarchy, and then we're going to talk with uh, about Tai Chi with. Uh, instructor and author Mark Johnson. That's in the third half of our three-hour tour today. But starting out, we're going to talk about uh, billionaires, which we talk about from time to time and what they're doing with their money, courtesy of a uh, frequent visitor to the show. Um, He is the director of uh, the program on inequality at the Institute for Policy Studies, where he also co-edits their website, inequality.org. He's the author of several books, first on our show uh, with his book uh, that was uh, somewhat of a... uh, well, it, it was kind of a memoir, but but a lot more than that, called Born on Third Base. Um, he has a new book. It's called, let me get the title right here, The Wealth Hoarders, How Billionaires Pay Millions to Hide Billions by Chuck Collins. And Chuck joins me by phone. Hi, Chuck. Welcome back. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me. Um, you... I mentioned you co-edit the website inequality.org, and there are a lot of reports, and and you team up with uh, 
um, oh, the tax group, uh, National Tax Foundation, is that? Oh, yeah. Americans for Tax Americans for Tax Fairness. Yeah, we we partner with them. On and, a lot of reports, and and there are a lot of reports, and and we've talked several times about the wealth that has been accumulating during the pandemic, and um, and I guess I guess the first question is, what's in this book that you haven't already written or published in one way or another? <laughs> Well, the, um, you know, I, I wrote this book because there's a, there's a piece of this puzzle which doesn't get a lot of attention, which is, you know, we, we talk about inequality, but that's the wealth that we know about. And in fact, the very wealthy, and I'm talking about people with like $30 million all the way up to the billionaires, actually pay their professionals to hide their money, to, uh, you know, move it around and and create kind of global shell games, hide it offshore or anonymous companies or trusts. So we estimate that there's, you know, somewhere between 25 and $36 trillion globally that is hidden. Uh, it's just not being measured. And that's a huge amount of wealth. It's almost 10, 12% of the world's wealth is basically sequestered and hidden to avoid taxes and other forms of accountability what um how what does this money look like in in real life most of us think you know rich people spend all their money on on the trappings you know houses in various places around the world and cars and yachts and stuff um is it is it cash is it stock what what is this wealth yeah you know um you have to put it, you kind of get, have to get into your inner billionaire here, Tom, and think about this. You, you have so much money that you've taken care of all your needs and desires and your children's as well and maybe grandchildren's, but you still have this vast amount of wealth. And you don't want to put it all in one place. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, as they say. So you are moving money around to all kinds of various assets classes is one way to think of it. So you have some in the stock market and you have some in bonds, but you also have money in land and you're buying up a lot of housing because housing is a pretty good place to park your money. You're putting it into a you know private equity venture fund so some of it can can earn higher returns and some of it's sitting just in places where it will hold its value. You might even be buying jewelry and art, you know, and other just cryptocurrencies, things to diversify and hold your wealth. And that's where it becomes interesting because as wealth has concentrated, and this is the, you know, just, you know, in the last year, you know, U.S. billionaires have seen their wealth grow by $1.3 trillion. We're talking about 660 people. Where did they put that money? Um, it's spread around. But it's also disrupting. It's disrupting like our local housing markets. It's driving up the cost of land and other investments. Um, some of it's parked offshore, but if most of it's here in the U.S. and uh, deployed in various marketplaces, if you will. But in housing, for example, Chuck, um, does that does are they renting these properties? Are properties sitting vacant and taking uh, uh, tax? Uh, uh, what tax um, 
I, I don't know uh, breaks for um, sitting empty like like commercial real estate and and becoming tax write-offs yeah it's all of those things uh, you know on the now you and I, I I grew up in Michigan so I, I I can I think I can safely say there's you know there's not a ton of investment in luxury housing in Flint uh, but in the coastal cities, New York, Washington, Boston, where I live, the West Coast, there are whole towers of condos being built that are, think of them as like wealth storage units in the sky. You know, nobody's living there. They're just parking their money and wealth there. And this is a huge factor in a lot of metropolitan areas. Um, but wealthy people are also, through, through private equity funds, buying up all the rental properties in markets you know since the economic meltdown a lot of people you know lost their houses and are unable to get out of rental housing and so the the the, the money makers have figured out oh why don't we just buy up we'll go in and buy up at foreclosure we'll buy up all these rental properties and that'll be a new profit center so we're seeing this huge consolidation of corporate and wealthy owned rental housing all over the country. Um, so that's another way that the money's being parked and invested. Um, so it's, and land, you know, rural land and land with water and resources, that's another big investment area. Bill Gates now is the largest landowner in the United States. Um, so so th that's another sort of just part of the picture. Is it even possible it, because because the money's hidden. How do you find it? How do you know it's out there? We know a little bit about it because of leaks. Because wealth management firms, there are people who work there who are like, "Hey, there's something wrong going on here. All this wealth being hidden," and so uh, they will leak information to uh, reporters. So we get some information that way. We also look at. The tax gap, you know, if you if if there's really this much wealth, um, why isn't there, uh, you know, more revenue coming in? And 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 the answer to that is there is this industry, and this is what I write about in in the wealth orders. There's this growing industry of we, you know, what what social social scientists call the wealth defense industry. There are tax attorneys, estate planners accountants, wealth managers, whose purpose is to make the richest people in the world look like they don't have a lot of money on paper. And trusts, you know, is a big way people do that because they, trusts are not reported. Um, so in, in the short answer is we don't really know how much totally how, how, how all these games work, but we get little cracks in the system and light shines in and we get a picture of just how vast this wealth hiding apparatus is, and how many people are employed by the super rich? As I say, they're being paid millions to hide trillions. And if there, who has this information that isn't involved in the process that can leak it to the media? Well, there, there is, there really isn't anybody. You know, it has to be insiders, and this is actually one of the things that's interesting. Uh, for instance, five years ago, there was a, a global leak called the Panama Papers. Uh, somebody working at a law firm in Panama, one of the big offshore law firms that create hundreds of thousands of anonymous shell companies that then go on to own, you know, a lot of wealth and assets. 
leaked thousands and thousands of documents to a consortium of reporters, and it took them like a year to patch together. But it had a huge impact. I mean, the Prime Minister of England, uh, David Cameron, was implicated in it. The President of Iceland, they found he had an offshore company. He had to resign. You know, it had a massive, shook things up, primarily in Europe. Not so much here in the U.S., because the leak didn't really name as many interesting names here in the U.S., but, um, you know, then there have been subsequent leaks, uh, a bank in Bermuda, uh, a, a, a bank in Portugal revealed a year ago that the wealthiest woman in Africa was extracting about $2 billion of plunder from Angola, taking it, stealing it from her own people and, and taking it out of the country and, and parking it in, you know, these offshore systems. So... Uh, occasionally, a principled person working in these companies who know they're not that what they're doing is destructive will leak data, leak information. Oh, and sometimes people get divorced, Tom. They get divorced, and yeah. one <laughs> I, I uh, know I know uh, about that. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, but what happens is, uh, uh, you know, like a wealthy person will uh, all of a sudden he'll you know he'll get he's usually the guy. He hides all the money from his ex-spouse, and so they go to court, and the courts, you know, finally crack open all the secrets, and all of a sudden the light shines in, and you see, wow, these people have, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in assets, but none of it's in their own name, and they're just playing global shell games with, with all this wealth. So we've learned a lot, and I, I tell all these stories in, in the book, The Wealth Hoarders, because, you know, it's, it, it's, it's how we know that there's something you know, huge going on. This isn't a sideshow to the economy. It is center stage. Uh, the, the, the wealthiest people on the planet are, are making taxes optional for them. Um, you also point out that, uh, that there are other reasons they're hiding their money to avoid certain kinds of uh, regulation. It's, it's uh, primarily taxes, but... Uh, but also laws that, you know, that, that they don't find convenient. Yeah, like, like consumer, uh, you know, rights. I mean, I actually tell the story in the Wealth Orders. Uh, a few years back, there was kind of a late-night television ad, the kind of thing we'd see on Channel 50 growing up, you know. <laughs> and, you know, be like, uh, you know, you can buy a computer for $40 down. And uh, call this 800 number. So people would call Blue Hippo Computers, and they would, you know, take your bank account information, and every week they'd take $40 out of your bank account. And at a certain point, you were supposed to get a computer, but you never got the computer. It was a complete <laughs> scam. It was a right. total scam, right? Hey, so, um, Chuck, I, I have to interrupt here because I have to go oh, to yeah. a break. Can you stick around for... Uh, Absolutely. Good, good. My guest is Chuck Collins from the uh, Institute for Policy Studies and the author of uh, a new book called The Wealth Hoarders. And we're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze in a few words or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. We'll be right back. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We're talking with Chuck Collins about his uh, new book, The Wealth Hoarders, How Billionaires Pay Millions to Hide Billions. Hey, Chuck, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. No worries. No, it's good to be back. Um, I, yeah, I think it, I was going on and on and telling you a story, but I'll, I'll get to the nut of it, which is, uh, you know, here's this com- person who is selling computers and scamming people out, hardworking people out of their money, and, you know, the states went after them, the Consumer Protection Bureau, the finally the Federal Trade Commission. They all, you know, tried to get back the $15 million of people's money that the guy stole. But be- he parked it in an asset protection trust in the Cook Islands, which is somewhere out there near New Zealand. And they could never go after it. So this guy lives in a mansion in Florida, and he's posting pictures of his puppies on Facebook. He walks free. You know, people you know, steal a candy bar two times, they get more, they're in jail. And this guy ripped off, you know, so partly this whole wealth defense industry, he, 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 he had to get help from all these lawyers to figure out how to park all this money offshore in these trusts. And, uh, that's where I, I, I say that the wealth defense industry are like enablers. They're the ones, they're the accomplices a lot of times in, in these, uh, you know, efforts to avoid accountability. So it's not just avoiding taxes, it's avoiding responsibility um, for one's actions. Did uh, Chuck, did you have to do a lot of research to, to pull this information together for this book? I did, and, but the fun part was also interviewing some of these wealth defense industry people. And, you know, <laughs> then they, some of them are... I can only imagine. You know, yeah, some of them are kind of like, uh, you know, well, frankly, they said, you know, I've spent my whole life helping rich people uh, get richer. You know, I, maybe I need to atone for that. You know, maybe I need to explain the secrets of the temple. Um, so there were a lot of disgruntled or people who had just decided that they didn't really want to do that anymore, that that wasn't, they didn't want to make that their, their life legacy. Um so I, I'm, but didn't they also I, didn't they also get wealthy doing it? You know, they they got wealthy in the sense that they had a uh, you know a comfortable upper middle class or upper class lifestyle, but they were nowhere near as rich as their clients. Um, you know, and they and they realized, wow, you know, I'm, you know, maybe I'm helping this family preserve their wealth. But I'm doing that at the expense of all the other families in the world, meaning these people are creating wealth dynasties that are, that are you know, you're going to, I guess you're going to talk to Tom Sumner about, or to, to Tom uh, um, about oligarchy. Right, right, you know, Tom in your, Hartman. In the next segment, Tom Hartman. And, you know, the whole, what we're, you know, how these folks are creating oligarchies. The definition of an oligarchy according to uh, Jeffrey Winters, who wrote a great book uh, called Oligarchy, is that they invest in wealth defense. They're different than just ordinary rich people. They have so much money that they hire professionals to hide their money and lobby to change the laws to protect them. So it's that corrosive aspect of oligarchy, the power aspect that, that uh, these folks make possible. And 
Now we know who the how do we know who these people are if their money is hidden? Or do we well, just we don't, we don't know all of them but we know some of them is that We we don't know. I mean, here's here's one way that 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 I look at it. It if you look at um you know, we we always talk about the new money, the technology fortunes, you know, the Jeff sure. Bezos and the Gateses. But actually, if you look at the Forbes list, there are probably 60, 70 families that are now in their third or fourth generation as billionaires, and their wealth is accelerating. Now, think about this. If you, if you live in a democratic society where you have children and they have children, and you pay your taxes and maybe you even share uh, some of the money through charity, money does not accelerate over time. In fact, it disperses. You know, that is the normal, what they call shirt sleeves, the shirt sleeves in three generations. You ever heard that? You know, like one person creates the money, the next generation spends it, the next generation, up oh, back to work. You know, you don't, you, no more, yeah. no more free ride. And, you know, take the Mars family, you know, they invented obviously a, a, a good candy bar uh, and the, and the, you know, the patriarch of the family, Forrest Mars was worth about, you know, 2 billion in 1983. Well, now that family's worth ninety-three billion. You know, so they're so they're clearly not paying taxes, and they're 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 you know even if they're having multiple children, their wealth is growing over time. So we know that they're using trusts and dynasty trusts and ways to circumnavigate the tax system and the inheritance tax. But it seems like the the very process of that money attracting money would also attract attention. Well, not if there are no cops on the beat. I mean, here's the thing. that, that These folks, not only, you know, it, it, they'll say, well, we're just obeying the law, right? We're just, uh, you know, obeying the letter of the law. But these, the wealth defense industry writes the laws. They lobby for the laws. They create the loopholes. And they lobby to make sure the IRS has no resources to oversee this. So that, you know, the oversight body, the IRS, has been decimated. They've lost what they call the rich squad, the people who used to be able to follow the money, do the forensic accounting, figure out what, you know, when wealthy people were scamming. That's you know, kind of how the system. FBI got started. It, it is. But they, you know, they're more likely to audit you if you use the earned income credit, which is for working families, than you are if you use some exotic tax dodge. You know, that's the problem. So uh, one of the first fixes is we need to start providing oversight to rich people who, you know, who uh, and how they, you know, how they use these tax dodges. We have to shut down some of them, just make them illegal. Just say, look, you can't do this. This has nothing to do with real economic activity. It's phony and should be banned. Um, and we should require transparency in in ownership you know corporations we should know who the real owners are the beneficial owners um you know 99 percent of real estate in michigan you know you know who owns you you know who your neighbor is you know who owns it but they're the rich use these shell companies to hide the identity of the property owners like why why is that possible why why do we allow that you know so corporate transparency these are all actually quite simple fixes that would basically shut down this hidden wealth system in a, within a couple of years. 
but how to it's that seems like putting toothpaste back in the tube to me well you know i mean right now congress is debating you know should we increase the corporate income tax because there's all these companies that are paying like zero taxes global companies huge profitable global country companies and should the wealthy pay more? And by the way, these are popular ideas. I mean, 80% of the public, Republicans, Democrats, independents, they all know that the wealthy have benefited during the pandemic, that they're you know, reaping windfalls at this time, that their taxes are lower than ever. And so they're, they're saying, yeah, pe- these folks should pay. But the industry is kicking into ho- overdrive. They're like, let's move money to the shadows. Let's move it to these trusts. You know, so it's relevant right now. Some of the toothpaste is still in the tube, but it's about to go out. And I think, you know, the first step is to just shut it down right now. Uh, shut these dodges down and work, you know, work with England and work with the European Union, who are further ahead of us in fixing these problems, to cooperate, you know. So I think, you know, and I, I see that, some of it's starting to happen. Some of you know some of the proposals of the Biden administration, and even under uh, President Trump at the end of 2020, Congress passed something called the Corporate Transparency Act, requiring corporations to disclose who their real owners are. Uh, this is a really big development, and part of part of the reason it passed is because law enforcement was really saying, "Please give us the tools to follow this money." So we can shut down these sex trafficking operations and these porno websites and these, you know, dictators who are stealing money from their people and bringing it to the U.S. We need to have transparency. So I think we're on the road. We're on the right track. Uh, it's a bipartisan fix, really. How, how much um, momentum do you think there will be for uh, Janet Yellen's uh, suggestion that globally there be a, a some kind of a minimum tax, a, a 2% tax. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of global pressure for it because basically, the you know, a, a couple hundred global companies have been playing us all for fools. Country by country, they're, they're, they're like promoting the race to the bottom of who will tax us the least, you know. So if you're Apple, you know, you put your patent, patented, pat, patented, uh, you know, intellectual property in Ireland or the Netherlands, and you you kind of keep moving the money around. You don't sh- disclose anything with any other country. You know, so uh, one fix is, as, as Fed Chair Yellen says, let's have a global corporate minimum tax. Let's have a treaty that says, you know, um, here's the floor. And all, and all these industrial countries agree that this is the minimum floor. And, uh, and that we also have country-by-country country reporting, so these corporations are sharing their data. And, and all of a sudden, boom, no more games, no more race to the bottom. Uh, I, think it, I think there's tremendous interest in, and support for that, even among some of these global companies who just realize, like, it's becoming ridiculous that, you know, Amazon's paying, you know, effective tax rate 1%, Netflix, you know, Chevron, all these profitable global companies are paying 0 or 1% of their effective income in taxes. Uh, we got we got to shut down the games basically. When 
people find out about some of these companies and their practices and and initiate um, uh, public relations uh, efforts to boycott those companies does that have any impact at all I don't I don't think that in that case boycotts may be that effective I you know what the most effective thing is to contact your member of Congress and say how come I'm paying more taxes than Amazon? You know, like what's broken here? <laughs> Fix that. That's you know why? Why? Because when these folks freeload, it basically shifts the bill to the rest of us. You know, when the when the rich can dodge. When I'm again, I'm talking about people with thirty million dollars all the way up to the billionaires. When they can dodge their taxes, they're leaving the tab for the rest of us. Whether it's you know fixing infrastructure, taking care of veterans you know whatever it's like it, it it makes the rest of us have to pay more um so i think we should just say look we should have one set of tax rules you know there shouldn't be one set for the for all of us and one for the richest one-tenth of one percent where they get to have a separate set of rules and well, we've talked companies about, we've talked about that before chuck where you know we've we've talked about the fact that there are really two economies Absolutely. You know, there, there's this kind of floating above the clouds speculative economy, and then there's the Main Street economy of real goods and services and small businesses and, you know, the things that we can touch and feel and see, you know, that, you know, and how, yeah, in, in the pandemic, that's the, that's the part of the economy that's really gotten hammered. Um, is there a, yeah, is, is there a certain, um, is there a tipping point with wealth where you become part of the club and then it's universal that, th that you're going to hide your wealth and so on? Or, or are there, are there very, very wealthy people who don't behave that way? No, it's clearly there. There's not a monolith in how people behave. You know, there are people who, uh, choose not to aggressively use use these trusts and dynasty trusts and that sort of thing. There are billionaires like Chuck Feeney who you know started the duty free shops, who you know in in his lifetime gave away you know eight billion dollars to charity and has never been a tax dodger you know in the U.S. You know so there are people who make different choices. I mean I'm curious what Tom Hartman says. What I would say is an oligarchy starts at the 30 million and up level because at, at that level people are you know they've, they've got all the houses they need they've got the cushy life they're accumulating power at that point you know it's all about power uh, it's not just about consumption and that's when we should kind of take notice as a society and say well okay they're now investing in politicians they're now they're not buying yachts they're buying senators you know we should be concerned about that but, um, but then you know how does what they spend on a on the average senator compare to a letter from me well that's what i mean that the, these folks have too much power it's it's a imbalance of power and they are acting like oligarchs because they're using their power and wealth to rig the rules to get more power and wealth that's the problem. So they're, you know, yeah, the senator, you know, they're going to need to hear, you know, 
And, and I don't want to pick. I don't want to pick on uh, Debbie Stabenow or Gary Peters, the senators from Michigan, or or any others in particular. But when you say write your congressman, it it just feels like it's going to fall on deaf ears. You know, I mean that big money. Big money has a huge role. A lot of how big money in our political system works is it's used to block changes. It's used to stop popular reforms. I mean, if, if the popular political will had its way, we wouldn't have this scourge of student debt. We would have a higher minimum wage. We would have universal health insurance. We would have a more fair tax system. So money has, has organized money has captured our political system and blocked it. And that's not to say that there are heroic, you know, politicians who buck that but but part of it is we just have to you know at some point the politician says do i go do i vote for big money or do i vote for my constituents and when something is overwhelmingly you know popular um you know then they're not gonna they're not gonna be reelected. there's only so much money can do to help them get elected if they're undermining or opposing the, the enormous will of the voters so you know, yeah, there's still these moments where democracy matters, where individual voters matter, and how we organize and press our elected officials, not just as individuals, but through associations, through our congregations, through unions, through civic groups. You know, together, we can have more of a voice than we do just as an individual writing a letter. Well, we've got uh, situations going on now where the president has uh, passed COVID relief, and um, and is now uh, trying to get you know his. I, I, I'm never sure whether it's an infrastructure package or a jobs package. It keeps changing names um, because of what what all is encompassed in it. But he's been saying that raising taxes on the very wealthy will pay that money back. Um, and yet it doesn't quite add up it's it's like the money he's talking about or that's being estimated that could be retrieved from his tax increases doesn't equal the money that's being spent and that gets confusing for yeah. you know for the voter for John Q public he's looking at that and saying okay i understand we're going to spend a lot of money cuz we need it here and we're going to recover that money over here and then the balances don't tally and then and then they're lost How, are, are we ever going to get that money back you know I, I saw a piece in the wall street journal yesterday sort of about the funding for this infrastructure bill let's say it's two trillion dollars what what the, the president has proposed would actually raise about 2.5 trillion dollars of revenue um over the period of the payment of that bill by closing down some of these corporate loopholes. It's all focused on these global companies that have been gaming the system um, and been incentivized to take jobs offshore. It's trying to reverse some of those provisions, you know, raising the uh, corporate minimum tax, that sort of stuff. So it looks like it pays for itself. And, yeah, you know, but the, the thing that's the thing that's that's confusing, or that has me scratching my head, is that the money is being spent right now, 
and it's being recovered over 10 years. That assumes that we don't spend any more money for 10 years. Right. And that well, that, I, that I, seems confusing to me. I like like how does this how does this all balance out or is it a move in the right direction that can eventually catch up and we're bringing in money as fast or maybe hopefully faster than we're spending it. I mean, I think the best we can try to do is any spending should have a plan for revenue, which is, by the way, really different. I mean, under four years of Trump, we, we increased the national debt by $7.8 trillion. Some of that was this emergency COVID relief. Some of it was a $2 trillion tax cut for the rich and for corporations that was not paid for. There was no plan to raise that revenue or cut spending. So, you know, we're, I think the best we can do is say, look, let's have, we do need to raise revenue. You know, we have, it has to come from somewhere. Um, if it's not from, if the wealthy are opting out and, 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 and hiding their money, then it's going to be everyone else that's going to pay. Um, so it's really in our interest to crack down on these corporate the tax dodgers. And it, again, it's a couple hundred global companies. It's not locally rooted small businesses, main street businesses. They don't have the way, they don't have the uh, global games they can play. Does philanthropy, uh, not, does philanthropy chip away at the gap even a little? No, not really. Philanthropy does, you know, philanthropy does some things well. It, it, it directs money to institutions and hospitals and, you know, higher education and community organizations and boys and girls clubs and that sort of thing. Philanthropy is not a substitute for rich people paying their fair share of taxes and public investments that actually build infrastructure and do the kinds of stuff we're talking about. So philanthropy does, you know, it's great, but it's not. It, it it it's nowhere near the scale that's needed to solve some of the big problems we're facing. Well, and the problems do seem big. They seem almost insurmountable. But you argue that they may not be insurmountable. And uh, the the book that uh, Chuck has uh, just released is. Um, called The Wealth Hoarders, How Billionaires Pay Millions to Hide Billions, uh, with hope that, that, you know, people will maybe turn that around, either through regulation or conscience. Um, Chuck, we've got another uh, break coming up here in about a minute, and so we'll we'll wrap it up there, but I'm sure we'll talk again. And as you know, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more, and a, a good place would be what? Uh, inequality.org? Yes, definitely check out inequality.org, and to learn more about the book, there's a website called wealthhoarders.com, and you can find out, there's, you know, I'm doing some public events that are all on Zoom, so if you want to come to a book event, <laughs> or see some of the articles and reviews about the you can see it there well it's getting great reviews from what i've seen so far so best of luck with the book and keep up the good work uh chuck i'm i'm sure we'll talk again soon thanks so much I, the time always goes so fast no thank you tom for the conversation it was terrific to talk to you take care take care that was chuck collins from the institute for policy studies and uh co 
editor of inequality.org about his new book, The Wealth Hoarders. We'll be back with more right after this. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zondrick. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org. 
or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Summer Program.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Uh, George Parr, uh, you are in an investment banker. I am, yes. Yes. And uh, as such, you have your fingers right on the pulse of the financial market. Yeah, very much so, yes. And uh, during the summer, there's been uh, a great deal of turbulence and volatility, volatility, volatility in, in the, the market. Yes, yes. tremendous. Yes, tremendous. Yes, yes. and uh, wh- what has caused that? Well, uh, you have to remember two things about the market. One is that they are made up of very sharp and sophisticated people mm. who, uh, um, these are the greatest brains in the world. Mm. And the second thing you have to remember is that the financial markets, uh, to use the common phrase, are driven by sentiment. Uh, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, uh, things, let's say, are just going along as normal in the market. And then, suddenly, out of the blue, one of these very sharp and sophisticated people says, My God, something awful is going to happen! Uh, we, we lost everything! Oh, my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Uh, uh, shall I jump out of the window? Shall I jump out of the window? Exactly. Let's all jump out of the window. We, oh, we, sell! We've lost a sell! 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 sell. Yes, precisely. Yes, precisely. <laughs> and then, a few days later, this same uh, sophisticated person says, You know, I think things are going rather well. And everybody says, I, I agree with you. I think we're rich. We're rich. Yes. We're rich. Bye-bye-bye. Yes. Bye-bye-bye, yes. yes. And that, that is, that's what we call market sentiment. Uh, but, uh, well, <laughs> yes, uh, surely we are exaggerating just a bit, aren't well, we? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, in August, in the middle of August this year, when the market absolutely plunged in, in London, the, uh, a well-known city firm, uh, State Street Global Markets, mm-hmm. uh, issued a statement in which it said, and I quote, Market participants don't know whether to buy on the rumour and sell on the news. Do the opposite, do both, or do neither, depending on which way the wind is blowing, unquote. <laughs> yes, and this is the kind of rigorous analysis, analysis that companies <laughs> will pay huge salaries huge, for. Yes, exactly. It? And a, a few days later, when the markets have gone up a little bit, the senior equities advisor on ABM, Ambro Morgan, said, and I quote, we're back to happy days again. <laughs> well, no price is too high for that, uh, no. for that kind and, of and mature wisdom. Certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> this sort of people are, are paid millions of pounds in bonuses. Yes, of course. Uh, during this summer, there have been actual causes behind the volatility in the markets, yes, haven't there? I yes. mean, specifically and especially in America, uh, granting vast numbers of mortgages uh, to people who can't afford them yes. on properties which are diminishing in value. Yes, These are so-called subprime uh, situation, yes, the subprime, subprime market. Yes. How, how does that work, in fact? Well, imagine, uh, if you can, uh, say, <coughs> an unemployed black man sitting on a crumbling porch somewhere in Alabama in his string vest, and mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a chap comes along and says, would you like to buy this house before it falls down? And um, why do you let me lend you the money? And is this chap who says this, is he a banker? Oh, no, no, no. He's a mortgage salesman. His income depends entirely on the number of mortgages that he can arrange. 
So his judgment to arrange mortgages is completely objective? Completely objective, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. yes. And, uh, and what happens next? Well, then this debt, this mortgage, is, 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 debt, is, 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 is taken, uh, bought by a bank and p packaged together mm -hmm. uh, on Wall Street with a lot of other uh, similar debts. Without going into much detail about what is actually... Without going into any detail. That's far too boring. <laughs> and so this is, this is put into a package of debt. And, so, and then it's moved on to Wall Street. And this, this is it's extraordinary what happens then, that mm -hmm. somehow this package of dodgy debts stops being a package of dodgy debts and starts being what we call a structured investment vehicle. <laughs> and uh, SIV? And SIV, exactly, yes. Yes, I see. And then someone like you comes along and, 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 and buys it. I, I buy it, yes. And uh, yes. then I will ring up, I don't know, somebody in Tokyo and say, look, I've got this package, do you want to buy it? Mm-hmm. And they say, what's in it? I say, I haven't got the faintest idea. <laughs> and they say, how much do you want for it? And I say, a hundred million dollars. And then, then they say, fine, that's it. And that's the, that's the market. <laughs> and presumably, this package, I mean, that kind of thing can happen several times oh, to the could, same yes, could, uh, possibly, package. Possibly, yes. And, uh, and every time it does, of course, um, then you, or someone like you, will get a fee and a markup and, and a profit, and, yes. And, yes. And, and so well, if I expect to do it for nothing, it's hard work, maybe. <laughs> in view of the fact that, that in these packages there's a lot of dodgy debt, mm. what is it about it that attracts the, the financial, you know, risk-takers? Yes, well, because um, these, these hedge funds, as they're called, which specialise in these debts, um, they all have very good names. You mean they're responsible companies? <laughs> no, no, I don't, it's nothing to do with their reputation. They have actually very, very good names. They're, the names they think up of them are very good. I'll give you an example. <laughs> there, there, there's a, a very well-known American Wall Street firm called Bear Stearns mm -hmm. who have two of these hedge funds which specialize in these, these mortgage debts. And uh, they lost so much money, well, lost so much of its value, that Bear Stearns announced that they would have to put in $3.2 billion into one of the funds to try and keep it afloat. $3.2 billion? $3.2 billion, yes, yes. And even then they said the investors couldn't get any money out of it and they were going to let the other fund go. But one of these funds was called the High Grade Structured Credit Strategies Fund and the other was called the High Grade Structured Credit Enhanced Leverage Fund. <laughs> Well, that sounds very good. That's good, it? isn't it? Yes. <laughs> it sounds very trustworthy. Actually, this is the, the magic of the market. What started off as lending a few thousand dollars to an unemployed black man in a string vest has become a high-grade structured credit enhanced leverage fund. <laughs> I like the sound of it. It is good. Well, it sounds very trustworthy. I mean, it's got good words in it. It's got yes. words like high. High is good. High is good. <laughs> Better than low, anyway, isn't yes, it? Yes, yes. Absolutely. And, and structured is another good word. Very good. Enhanced. Is I love Enhanced. Enhanced is very good. I mean, I'd buy anything if it we said enhanced. Absolutely. Yes. yes. It might have been different if it said the unemployed black man in the string vest fund, but... but, but <laughs> yes, because then uh, alarm bells might start <laughs> to ring. But uh, despite these very plausible names, surely the reality is that the people that lent all this money have been incredibly stupid. Oh, no. No, no. The reality is that what was stupid is for at some point somebody asked how much money these houses were actually worth. 
Excuse if they me. hadn't bothered to ask that question, then everything would have gone on as perfectly normal. But they, unfortunately, they did. I see, but now, you see, people are saying the crisis is likely to turn into a financial meltdown. I mean, can that be avoided? It can be avoided, provided uh, that governments and central banks give us, the financial speculators, back the money that we've lost. <laughs> but isn't that rewarding greed and stupidity? No, no. It's rewarding what the Prime Minister Gordon Brown called the ingenuity of the markets. That is the... <laughs> See, and, 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 and we, don't want, we don't want this money to spend on ourselves. We want this money just to go into the market so that we can carry on borrowing and lending money as if nothing had happened without thinking too much about it. <laughs> yes, but if the worst came to the worst and you didn't get this money, what then? Well, then there'd be another market crash and then I would say to you what people like me always say, that it's not us that will suffer, it's your pension fund. <laughs> Thank you very much, George Parr. My pleasure. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
the time of summer program.com You pilots, get off of my lawn! We're trying to do a radio show down here! It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on! Go on, get out of here! <laughs>